to iDegen, a podcast about crypto technology, security, and culture. We balance the hype and the hate, cutting through the misinformation and ego in search of the signal in the noise. What's happening this week, Zach? Episode number 20. I'm proud of us. I'm stoked for iDegen. Yeah, everything, man. It's uh, another great week, finishing off October. Just been a wild month yeah every week is kind of the same when we kind of start jamming on these show notes as we start out thinking like okay we're gonna have a concise episode we're gonna be able to like knock this one out in a shorter time frame but then once you really dive in i feel like you continually find stories that we can't overlook so it's a it's another crazy wild week yeah there's just so many interesting things happening right now it's i really do think this is well, the this will be looked back on as like the golden era of DeFi and crypto hacking golden the wild yeah, west yeah more of a wild west than like the golden era i don't know you know not to make it a, a positive thing i saw a tweet this week where in, in a post-mortem someone used an emoji when they were explaining how the attack worked and someone was like i feel like that was very tone deaf uh <laughs> it's like a little over the top but uh we will talk about that one that was the um profanity man still just hitting if you generated if you ever used profanity or anything derivative of profanity at this point i don't understand why you wouldn't have fixed it up but i guess it's it's complicated out there in the real world there's some people who, who who do all this stuff and then kind of log off for months and don't really follow it and don't stay up on hacks and stuff. So hopefully they start listening to IDGen so we can help their uh, security and digital hygienity, uh, hygienity, hygiene, uh, bump up a level so they can understand and not keep getting owned. Their digital hygienity. They need to keep that intact. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I I think that if you are responsible for deploying projects or maintaining them that you should probably have the wherewithal to keep up with these things. But I guess, again, it's, it's not always so cut and dry. Maybe someone hired a dev, they deployed a project and they have new devs now. And you know, it's maybe it's just not that simple, but let's not digress too much there. Let's, let's jump right in. And That's yeah, cool. I was hoping to kind of go, mile wide inch deep this week there's so many little interesting hacks links stories and so we're going to do our best to just kind of um hit the, the tip of the iceberg on them and not go too deep there's a couple we'll go into here uh most notably let's see our DeFi hacks of the week october 22nd Investment DAO, Layer 2 DAO, announced on Twitter that a hacker was able to gain access to a platform multi-sig on optimism and drain just about 50 million L2 DAO tokens. And at the time of the hack, that turned out to, it looks like it translated to about 384,000 USD worth of these L2 DAO tokens. Interestingly enough, the price is almost fully recovered here now, um, just about a week later. So the hacker was able to gain access to a layer to DAO multi-sig on optimism 
and drain the tokens. They dumped some of the stolen tokens, but were able to negotiate and repurchase the remaining tokens. Um, but we were able to. That was a tweet from Layer2Dow there at the end. So some of them were bought back. And this ongoing trend, it seems like almost every hack now, there is some type of negotiation with the attacker and a deal worked out. That seems to be more common than not on these. Okay. Um, it's the Layer 2 uh, Dow did publish a postmortem. One of the nice things about taking the longer form approach here and putting digesting everything down at the end of the week is that we get to wait a day or two and see some of these reports. So the full postmortem was out. And this one was super kind of odd. They had deployed this Gnosis safe on Arbitrum. And there were some issues. It was similar to the issues that Wormhole had where they deployed it to an address they didn't actually have access to. And there was they thought they had a workaround, so they thought everything was safe. But there was this small little issue in the way that the fix was implemented. And so um, since the implementation contract, this is a quote from their postmortem, since the implementation contract only existed on Arbitrum, the fallback method was hit. And this meant that the Gnosis safe contract was successfully created but not initialized. This slight distinction was what ultimately allowed the attacker to call the function set owner on the created but not initialized contract and carry out the attack. So um, be careful when you're deploying your safes to these L2s. Make sure that you own those addresses is the easy TLDR there. But uh, kind of tough for, for those guys because they tried to do the right thing. You know, we were just talking about people paying attention. They were paying attention. They saw what happened to Wintermute and their Arbitrum issue, and they did their research. They thought they had it resolved, but it turns out there was kind of this edge case there. Moving on, October 27th, Team Finance DeFi platform was exploited for $14.5 million. A lot of the stories and headlines out there. It's starting to see, it feels a, lot, a bit to me like um, a lot of folks are looking at Rekt.news and kind of taking the vibe in the way that Rekt presents these. And, and the the presentation on this one was, uh, you know, despite security audits. So they're really kind of going hard on these guys. I think part of the reason for that too is that they um, – they, I don't want to say brag, maybe marketing materials. A lot uh, talks about how they're, you know, a super secure and, and audited platform. And they really put that foot forward. So came back to bite him here. According to Slow Mist, Slow Mist a blockchain security ecosystem, uh, security ecosystem, 7 million has been returned. So again, back to that negotiating premise. Um, there's an interesting link I've got here in the show notes. The exchange with the hacker is done over the Etherscan chat. So, you know, you got that, um, address based messaging where you can kind of chat 
you know, from um, a particular address. So the attacker shows up there and you get your usual beggars looking for, for handouts from the attacker. But there's some interesting exchange there if you, if you want to read more into it. And the other interesting part of this one that I noted last week, we talked about the Forda network and these awesome, <clears throat> awesome threat intelligence bots and the potential for using them to essentially predict attacks or get insights into when an attack might happen. Uh, Forda Network did tweet out this week and pointed out that one hour ahead of time, they had detected the activity leading up to this attack as the potential for an attack. So um, it worked. It happened. That's good news. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I would... You know, it's tempting to uh, maybe put some time into monitoring those bots and uh, building some of those because if you can have a reasonable idea that an attack is underway or going to occur, it's probably some very valuable intelligence to have. Um, I think we could also see as an extension of that idea if someone is thinking along those lines already, then do we see anyone that starts to, let's say, short a token or panic sell right before an attack takes place? You know, are they acting on that intelligence? Do they have that that information? I was chatting with a friend about this over the weekend, and they're not very familiar with with crypto, but they were like, wait, wouldn't that be like insider trading, if you could, you know, gleam information from these bots or the blockchain ahead of time. And then, you know, make an educated trade based on that. And I am certainly not an expert in those matters, but it doesn't seem like it would be to me because this is publicly available information. It's just uh, the interpretation of that information. So I don't know. Fascinating stuff. Keep an eye on those on the Forda network. Love those bots. And glad to see that Team Finance at least got some of those coins back. All right. Number three on our list for the week. This was also on October 7th, 2022. The Fry's DAO was exploited. Fry's DAO is a decentralized social experiment where a crypto community builds and governs a fast food franchise empire via wisdom of the crowd. What do you think about that one, Hunt? I think there's going to be a DAO for everything, and I would have never had uh, on my bingo card a DAO to manage a fast food restaurant. But, hey, I don't think it's the craziest idea ever. Yeah. Um, wisdom of the crowd managing the fast food. It's just it's wild to me. So, October 27th, Fry's DAO contracts were exploited by an attacker taking control of our own deployer address through, you guessed it, a profanity attack vector. The hacker was able to... Again. Again. The attacker was able to drain the treasury of its USDC through the refund contract, drain the Fry's token in all the staking contracts, subsequently selling it all into the Uniswap pool, 
All transactions in the main attack with the refund contract were confirmed in the same block. Then three hours later, the attacker came back for the staking pool. So I had to run some numbers on this one because I couldn't find all the info easily. It looks like 2.138 or so million dollars in USDC was in this part one of the attack. And then the second part, when they came back for all the fries in the pool, they immediately liquidated that. Looks like about $189,000 worth of Ethereum or 120 Ethereum at the time. The Fry's team put out a really nice post-mortem on this, which I'd recommend checking out if you want to dig more into it. it you know, it's easy to just say, okay, um, so uh, in, in case you aren't familiar, the, the profanity exploits that we're seeing or vulnerabilities, there was an um, open source utility used for generating uh, Ethereum addresses and um, that there was a vulnerability in the way those addresses were generated such that um, those keys could be recreated by an attacker. So um, anyone who generated addresses with those with that tool, or as it turns out, there were other tools out there that forked that tool. We're going to get to some of those here in a second. Um, unfortunately, there's some of those this week. But um, if you generate it with those addresses, then given enough uh, computing power, you can basically brute force out and the, the private keys, the corresponding private keys to these public keys. So um, ever since this was became public, I feel like it was about a month and a half ago now, um, we've, the, the, we've just been seeing more and more of these. And anyways, in this particular case, it's super interesting because they took over that deployer address and you have to figure that in certain cases, that isn't inherently going to give an attacker access to anything. It, you know, depending on how your contracts are set up, you can deploy a contract with an address and remove all permissions from that. And that would be that, right? However, um, in this particular case, it was a, like, it was a pretty elaborate process that was uh, undertaken during the attack. Um, and they went as far as to change the Merkle route, okay, um, on the contracts of uh, that whitelisted an NFT to inc include the deployer address. And that allowed them to mint a Founders Edition NFT that gave them refund capabilities. And then they refunded some of the purchased fries token for the entire treasury's USDC. So this wasn't just, you know, profanity, brute forcing the address and withdraw some funds. It was then a series of pretty clever. And, uh, you know, as they point out in the postmortem, they knew someone understood the interworkings of these contracts pretty well, which, you know, Assuming the source is public, um, which hopefully it was, because that's pretty standard if you want to have trusted contracts out there to make sure your source is verified, then, um, you know, it just takes maybe someone that spent some time looking over those contracts. But either way, super fascinating. You know, I love the Merkle trees and seeing uh, a malicious Merkle route updated you know, and in, in this way is not something that I have seen before. So worth worth taking note of there on the uh, Fry's Dow attack. 
So let's see the next one. Just a quick note on this. Um, quick swap decks was exploited on Polygon again. Don't have a lot of details on that one, but I wanted to mention it. Uh, next one, we've got the Noodle Swap. Uh, had an ERC 777 based re entrancy issue. It's being attacked and caused a loss of only 29K. So not too bad on that one, but worth mentioning. We try to we try to get to all the the DeFi hacks each week here. So there's the the noodle swap TLDR, and uh, let's see the next two. This is this is a sad one. This project's been near and dear to my heart. Um, DAP node liquidity mining contract compromised via the profanity vulnerability. Hacker ran away with 57.72 ETH and 50, or 552 GNO tokens, approximately $165,000 USD. So uh, sad to see that one. Uh, then on October 29th, it uh, looks to be, uh, I think there's reason to believe it might be the same attacker. Uh, not 100% sure on that, but... Um, the attacker exploited the GiveETH, GiveFarm, also using the profanity vulnerability. This is not a smart contract exploit. Rather, the keys were used to control the rate of rewards to our GiveFarms. Um, the rate used was compromised. So um, the attacker used the compromised keys to change the reward rate reward rate for our mainnet farms to a very large number and then quickly claimed the rewards. So again, it wasn't simply having the keys to that address via the profanity vulnerability that was the hack itself. That was the first stage. They then used those permissions to kind of turn some levers and knobs, in this case, to massively um, inflate the reward rate. So imagine if you were just some rando and you happen to load your dashboard and see this insane reward rate climbing and potentially you could have just claimed them as well. Um, so yeah, those are um, really love the DAP node project. Sad to see them get owned. I know that they take security pretty seriously and um yeah, that's that's close to your heart, and uh, the Giveth one's close to my heart as well. We have some friends who are over there, and uh, Griff Green and Willie, and um, so that's that's hard to see because Giveth is you know another public goods project, you know, trying to do good stuff. It's not like a DeFi protocol that's like really trying to kind of financialize um, what they're doing. So that one hurts. It, they, these last two hurt pretty bad, and I'm I'm just noticing a theme that none of these attacks are mirror the exact same of attacks we've talked about on ID Gen, but a lot of them rhyme, you know, there's a lot of similarities out there that are, you know, I'm just hoping people wise up a little bit because yeah, I, I would, I don't want to keep seeing these. And especially I don't want to see these happen to people that we know in real life and who are working really hard for these projects. Yeah, I agree. Here's my, my best take on this is if you're generating a custom address like OXBAD or OXIDGen or something, then it would be pretty obvious for you and easy to audit and look at how an address was generated. 
right? But if you used one of those tools and you didn't generate, you didn't generate a custom address or a vanity address, right? Then it maybe you're you're reliant only on your memory, you know, to think, hey, you know, how did this address get generated? And so maybe that's why some of these teams and folks are, I mean, at this point, enough there there have been enough exploits related to this vulnerability that you really think that every team would be going, we need to check this, we need to check this. And um, in this case, I don't remember if it was give ETH, giveth, or DAP node. I think one or both of them. I think we're we're calling it the profanity vulnerability, but in some cases it was actually that uh, ETH. I can't remember the name of it. ETH something tool that was forked from profanity. So there's that extra layer that maybe confuses folks as well. And um, yeah, I don't know. But if you uh, have smart contracts out there, um, be paying attention. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I don't know what, if you haven't heard that message and thought about it, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Moving on general crypto cyber crime. So I was trying to break the links down the headlines this week into some different buckets. So those were our those were our seven DeFi style attacks. Now we're moving into the general crypto cyber crime. Turkey busts an illegal betting organization and seizes 40 million in crypto. According to reports, Turkish officials discovered an illegal betting business that used bitcoins to launder criminal profits. Following the investigation, police enforcement detained 46 people engaged in the fraud and seized $40 million in digital assets. According to the allegations, the company conducted an, Ill an illicit sports betting scam and transferred the proceeds to multiple Bitcoin accounts. Why are you going to use Bitcoin? I, Why not Zcash? Why not Monero? I feel like Monero would be go-to for something like this but <clears throat> do you think that they don't know that it's traceable or maybe they don't care it's uh it would be hard for me to imagine somebody who's smart enough to pull some of this stuff off wouldn't understand how a public ledger or blockchain works yeah so maybe and I don't know how they, I don't know, you know, how they were caught. I'm just thinking in regards to the movement of the funds, you know, afterwards, like why, why Bitcoin? On to the next, uh, this is from October 5th, Zach XBTC, pretty infamous uh, Twitter scam investigator, crypto scam investigator, calls out the monkey drainer for scamming, phishing, roughly 700 ETH in 24 hours. So pretty um, pretty interesting thread if you want to keep up on the, the, uh, the board ape phishing and, and these things. This is a pretty prominent individual or group. And uh, after he called this guy out, the the monkey drainer started swarming he had bots started swarming his twitter threads and posting you know pro monkey drainer information 
interestingly, it looked to me like they had verified. Um, it looks like they had verified uh, NFT profiles on Twitter. So, like, I thought that was a paid feature. Um, yeah, so not sure about that. And uh, dig in, you know, Zach XBT's got the info if you, if you want it. And next one, there's an ongoing SIM swap attack on Fen Bushy. Um, so beware, scammers are using their Telegram, WhatsApp, and other messenger accounts and phone numbers. So it looks like that capital firm, VC firm, I think they are um, one or more of them was hit with a SIM swap attack and they took over those uh, Telegram and WhatsApp. And so, yeah, I guess the messaging there is just be, be on the lookout, even if it's coming from someone you trust and know if they're asking you to do something that doesn't seem right, especially if there's a lot of urgency. That's a key indication that it could be social engineering and, uh, Keep an eye out. Let's see. October 20th, going back on this one. I think we we must have just somehow missed it um, on last week's show, or we we were just at the point where we didn't get to cover it. But uh, FTX API keys connected to three commas confirmed to have been exploited. So some some API keys uh, were stolen somehow or hacked and then they were used to uh, I think um, I'm not exactly sure if they were just downloading uh, I'm sorry withdrawing funds using those keys or what but uh, that was an, an incident from October 20th we missed and this was more recent open SSL to patch their first critical vulnerability since 2016 not directly related to Crypto in this context, more so the original crypto and uh, the OpenSSL project inform users an upcoming update will patch a critical vulnerability in the open source cryptography and secure communications toolkit that is expected to happen today on November 1st. So no details had been provided yet, but it was described as a security fix that will include a vulnerability rated critical. So be interesting to see what comes of that one. Up next, we've got a few hack updates. Binance CEO Chen Peng Zhao says they are making progress on identifying those responsible for the BNB bridge hack. In an interview with CNBC, he said they received info from law enforcement on a possible suspect. So kind of Interesting law enforcement is kind of sharing that information with them before there's any kind of arrest or anything made. I'm surprised. Yeah. Um, and to share that with CNBC, like that seems. Yeah. Unless it's calculated, you know how like sometimes you watch those serial killer movies where they like leak something to the press and hope it's going to anger the serial killer and he's going to kind of slip up and do something bad and get caught. And maybe they're trying Some to see if they'll do something. Yeah. And maybe they'll move the coins in a not so smart way and they'll be able to, to catch him. So maybe uh, it's all calculated. Who knows? Yeah. Let's see. I, I, uh, 
it would be very interesting to see what what comes of, of that one. This one just a little bit ago dropped Moolah Markets restore solvency, resume deposits and repayment functions. The big Moolah Markets price manipulation from a couple weeks ago. Looks like they're getting back on track. And uh, all right. Um, there's a nice diagram I found here or infographic from Certic. And this was all the major October incidents. So they've kind of broken it down. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually look as, as bad as it's felt throughout the month when you compare it to previous months. And I think one of the reasons for that is they aren't looking at the Binance Bridge attack. They're only bringing that one in at 110 million. So, whereas I think, Again, we, we've talked about this before, but it kind of depends on how you, um, you're you tracking metrics, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, it was more than 500 million that was initially stolen. They didn't get away with all that. So, you know, if you're, if you're just judging by the numbers, October here, um, loosely looking is the, what would you guess so far of, of the year, Hunt? based on major total loss, major incidents of total loss. How does October size up? I was going to guess it was one of the higher ones just because of our recording and our episodes of IDGen. There's been some crazy weeks in October, um, especially like the first one or two. But uh, I'm looking at this amazing graph that you've got going on here from Certic and uh, I encourage everybody to check out the show notes because this is it's really nice to see this visual. Yeah, so it looks like um, probably fifth. Yeah, so not. But yet, you know, you're right. I think somebody could make this exact same chart and kind of use different metrics for the hacks and kind of manipulate the info to say what they wanted to say or to make October look like one of the craziest months in general. And if so you did that, if you counted uh, that, uh, the other 400 million from Binance then that would actually put October in the front, it looks like. So um, flash loan attacks are down. Exit scams are down. Interesting metrics here. Check that out. Um, it's going to be awesome as the security industry around crypto matures. We're going to get lots of cool metrics. There's going to be you know, firms dedicated solely. Got an article coming up here in a second. Um, some pretty, some good research, um, looking into the numbers and helping us understand the bigger picture. All right. In this section, I've got some links of interest. So not everyone's going to be related to a hacker, a scam or crypto security necessarily. Um, and these aren't necessarily new stories, uh, you know, new for the week. So I kind of throw them in this, this different category, links of interest and uh, up first blockchain dark forest self-guard handbook so this is a pretty cool open source book on github where you can um, master these master the security of your cryptocurrency so it goes through this whole from creating a wallet backing up your wallet using the wallet uh, traditional privacy 
security of human nature, blockchain shenanigans, what to do when you get hacked, misconceptions. And it's pretty in-depth, a lot of good info in here. So if you're looking for a nice resource or if you've got somebody, I would say definitely maybe not on the more technical side, but someone familiar with technology, this isn't probably the, the right link for your your uh, your aunt or grandma you're trying to um, help from from getting hacked, you know, of, of their coins. But uh, <laughs> um, definitely a, a good resource worth checking out. Next one is, uh, this is a tweet from Paladin Marco. And this is, the tweet goes, a story on how I, as a Solidity auditor, just almost lost 10K in a single click and how you most certainly would have lost it. Learn how to not get wrecked like I almost was and why you should always inspect transactions below. Really good thread as he talks through his um, penchant for exploring DeFi yield farming and how that leads him into some strange places. And he almost gets tricked into um, a, a fraudulent transaction of sorts. All right. Up next, inside the elaborate scam setup of a scam headquarters staffed by people who were forced to scam. So this one's from the ETH Security Telegram. I grabbed a few links out of there this week. And um, it's there's a mention of crypto at one point in the article as um, you know, one of the routes that these scammers will try to scam people. But the, you know, these are literally the um, what do they call them? The pig butchering scammers. And so like they're sitting in there, you know, in this call center, texting you away, pretending to be some 20 year old woman and trying to get you, you know, the whole script of building confidence and just chatting for a couple of days and then mentioning this and that. So it's kind of a, an interesting read if you're into learning more about what's on the other side. And I think specifically the part that is is kind of highlighted here that makes it relevant or worth note is that some of these staffed scammers are you know essentially being human trafficked into scamming so i know that it's fun to um we used to call them the, the 419 eaters back in the day but like um now there's like r slash praying mantis and things where you kind of mess with scammers or scam the scammers but um, I don't know, maybe keep it in mind that the, the people out there scamming aren't, uh, of, you know, doing it of their own free will. It's certainly not something that had occurred to me before, but a very interesting look at one of these Southeast Asian scam um, headquarters. Next link we of interest have got here is the SIM swapping Bible. This is an old link. And... Um, Let's see. Apologize there if you guys lost me for a moment. Um, hopefully all is back and we're well now. You back in there, Hunt? Hmm. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep rolling. So this is the Sim Swapping Bible. It's actually from 2019. But it's uh, what to do when sim swapping happens to you. How to protect 
protect yourself from a SIM hijack, deal with it, and recover afterwards. So really nice resource if you uh, want to learn more about that, even though it's a little old. And let's see, we've got number five on our links of interest, a historical collection of re-entrancy attacks. I love this. This is a GitHub repository. And this guy is cataloging in chrono chronological order, a complete list of re-entry attacks to date. Super cool. Um, I have been kind of throwing around in my head the idea of building sort of like a graph or a, a decentralized knowledge graph of of DeFi hacks in general. And um, this, this has inspired me because, you know, rather than maybe over-engineering that, I could just pick a, a different vertical, something other than reentry attacks and kind of start a similar document. Um, just, you know, open on GitHub to, to track it. And um, as it was, we're kind of doing in these show notes, but it's, this is a really concise and yeah, if, if you want to learn um, about reentry attacks, then um, this is a great resource. So we've got that. Again, listed in the show notes, and um, there, there's a late-breaking story here as we're recording this. Uh, pretty respected, well-known fellow in the um, crypto community passed away, and I guess he supposedly maybe um, caught one of the first reentrancy attacks even before the DAO, and so. Yeah, and that's actually in this repository here. So um, we're not going to get into that. And um, I think we'll uh, keep on moving. So it looks like Hunt, I might have lost you. I'm getting messages from Hunt saying that he can't hear me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and finish it out. I think we lost Mr. Hunt here. Got a few more links and then we'll... Um, we'll close this one out. All right. Tracking new tool launches, October 28th, BlockSec launches a transaction pre-execution service. So uh, they call it Mopus, Mopsus, Mopsus maybe there. Uh, aims to help users understand transactions before signing. These are seem to be maybe kind of like the new shiny thing emerging or these transaction um, pre-execution services. Uh, yeah. So essentially, you know, you can imagine that when you go to interact with the contract and you click that button to send the transaction, presumably what is going to happen here is they're going to walk through what is actually going to happen based on the this specific case you know you interacting with that contract calling these functions sending this amount and so on and they're gonna you know then look for any issues right so you could uh, assume that we could guess that there might be things in there like um checking for blacklisted addresses and uh you know saying hey just to let you know um this contract is going to call something on, you know, this contract or, or interact with this address that is, has been blacklisted. Um, obviously, uh, I'm just kind of speculating here, but there's obviously 
um, other elements of what a pre-execution service would be looking for uh, outside of that. And um, that's going to be things like um, security incidents, right? And, and so on. So um, next tool that uh, this one was posted also in ETH security. Um, I think it's Supremacy Inc. Launches a visual blockchain transaction explorer. Sounds like there's some, maybe some features there that aren't available with other block explorers. I didn't have a chance to look at it yet. And um, there was a little, little back and forth I read about what those features actually are. And I figured I'd mention it there though. And there, there's, you know, an increasing number of these transaction investigators, which is great. You know, it's good to have options and choices, but I still think that probably it'll eventually, um, a clear leader is probably going to emerge and uh, we'll see. Um, next, I've got an article from Coinbase. They published a, from their uh, investigations team, the BSC token hub compromise. So we've gotten into that on this show and there have been some other um, breakdowns, but I really like the work that the Coinbase team does, their threat intelligence team. And I didn't get to read all of this yet, but I saw this link this morning and wanted to throw it in there. So definitely check that out if you want to dig deeper on the Binance Smart Chain Token Hub compromise. And let's see, up next, uh, we explore empirical evidence on the risk associated with DeFi protocols, that is, the risk of cyber attacks in the form of hacking incidents, rug pulls, or economic attacks as a function of the TVL of the protocols. I thought this was really interesting, and um, uh, the, re the report these guys put together. Uh, specifically, we estimate that when a DeFi increases its TVL, DeFi protocol, I'm assuming they meant, I don't know, when DeFi increases its TVL by a factor of 10, its probability of being hacked increases by 10 or 13%, depending on the data considered for the analysis. So I this is something that's really fascinating to me about DeFi hacking is in traditional security, we had to kind of like estimate on these things. It was it was harder, I think, to to arrive at these conclusions and numbers. But soon, um, it's you know it's you can see on chain as the TVL increases, and then which projects have been owned, right? And and so it, it really gives us a kind of interesting window or insight into how the you know the potential for what's out there to be hacked how that actually impacts the chances that it will be hacked. So great article and write up on that. Uh, that's coming from bittrap.com. Definitely recommend reading it. Final link we have here. A validator received the highest MEV block reward to date from an exploit 337 ETH. I wasn't able to confirm or get um, to clarify how that, what, what the exploit involved was. So I'm not 100% sure of that, but I think that the um, the first part is is definitely uh, visible and easy to see on chain that block reward. So that got people pretty hyped up that they need to be running their their validators through you know MEV um, relays and getting this this chance of of getting this massive payout. Um, this looked like a uh, you know not probably a common thing, and there was some 
some de- debates about, you know, hey, this is extremely unlikely. Don't don't hold your breath. This is going to happen to you. But um, hey, you know, the degenerate mind does not think in those terms. They're going to go the opposite direction and be deploying those validators to see if they can catch those massive rewards. All right. That's what we've got for you today. This is uh, closing up recording November 1st, 2022. Hunt, I lost him. I think he's broadcasting remotely. I did see a blip in my broadcaster as well here, a disconnect. So apologies for that. Um, We will be back with you again next week on IDGen. Check us out, idgen.fm. Be the URL or at idgenfm on Twitter. Let us know. We do our best to report accurately on the topics here. There's a lot, and we definitely don't always get it right. So if you have any corrections or anything you want to reach out to us about, definitely um, hit us up. Let us know what you think about the idea of trying to go a mile wide, inch deep, instead of spending 20, 30 minutes really digging into an attack. We've typically done more of that process. So I don't know. Uh, We appreciate you listening, and we will catch up with you next week. Later.